0: I want to talk to you about being light in a dark world. That's going to be kind of our our theme today, being light in a dark world. I want to begin with what Jesus said about himself. I just read it to the children in John 14, 6. I'm going to read it again to you. And then I'm going to read what Jesus said about his disciples, which would include us today and that's going to be in Matthew chapter 5 verses 13 through 16 so you might find that spot let's read John 14:6 Jesus said to him I am the way the truth and the life no one comes to the father except through me that was in response to Thomas who said lord we do not know where you are going And how can we know the way? How can we know the way? And the answer Jesus gave to the question, how can we know the way, was, I am the way. I am the truth, and I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So that is what Jesus said about himself. It's not what men said about him. It's what he said about himself. Now let's turn over to Matthew chapter 5. Beginning in verse 13. And let's hear what Jesus said about his disciples. Now Jesus is on top of a hill. And his immediate disciples are gathered there with him. But there's also a multitude gathered there. And Jesus speaks these words in what we commonly call the Sermon on the Mount. and This is at the beginning of Jesus' earthly ministry. So he's just come from the wilderness, being tempted for 40 days. He was baptized by John. He goes into the wilderness. He comes back, and the Bible says when he comes back from his temptation in the wilderness, he begins to preach the kingdom. And he begins to preach this specific message, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Then he goes up on this mountaintop and he begins to preach. We get to verse 13 and here's what Jesus said to his disciples. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. This is what Jesus said to his disciples on that day, recorded here for us. He said it to them on that day, but he said it that day to them for us today. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. Father, we ask that you would open our hearts and our minds to your truth, to your gospel. That Lord, the gospel, the powerful gospel of Christ would break through the hardness of our hearts. That, Lord, you would use that gospel to change us and to transform us, to save us, God. to renew our minds to the truth as it is in Jesus, that we would be what you have commanded us to be, what you have declared us to be, that we would be the salt of the earth and the light of the world. That we would be a people who would know that you are, Lord Jesus, the only way, the only truth, and the only life. Father, we ask that you would do this by your Holy Spirit working in us, that you would change us transform us that you would indeed conform us to the very image of the son of god the son of glory we ask this father in jesus name amen so two statements here we just read by jesus one a statement about himself he is the only way and another a statement to his disciples about who they were to be in this world the salt of the earth the light of the world. Both of these statements by Jesus are the ultimate anti postmodern statements. You might say, what is postmodern? You probably heard this if you've read anything or listened to anything, you've heard this term. It's just a fancy term that basically the Bible describes as man doing what's right in his own eyes. If you want to know what postmodernism is, that's basically what it is. It's every man doing what's right in his own eyes. Postmodernism is, by definition, even hard to define by the people that are proponents of it, the people who are advocates of it, the people who talk about it all the time would be the first to tell you it's really very difficult to define. It's what I often say about Buddhism, and Bo- this is true, and a Buddhist will tell you this. We believe everything and nothing all at the same time. We believe everything is true, and yet nothing may be true. Because how is that possible? Because truth is relative. Truth is not absolute. Truth is relative. Truth is not objective. Truth is subjective. Truth is subject to whatever situation or circumstance you might find yourself in. When Jesus said of himself, I am the way, the truth, and the life, he made a very absolute statement. Do you get that? So this is why it's important to understand the English language. Jesus did not say, I am a way. He said, I am the way. He's very definite there. He's the definite way. He's not one of many ways. He's the definite way. He didn't say, I am a truth, one of many. He said, I'm the definite truth. I'm the absolute truth. He didn't say, I am a life. I am the life. I am the absolute life, and there is life in no other one, only in Jesus. And what that means is, if we're not in Jesus, guess what we're not in? We're not in life. If we're not in Jesus, we're not in life. So these statements by Jesus stand diametrically opposed to all that the world claims to stand for. I've lost count with how many genders they say there are now. I think it's over a hundred. You think I'm joking, but I'm, I'm not. This is, this is serious. They've identified, I mean, I know at one time there were 72 genders. I think Facebook has identified 72, but I think there's actually more than that. Now, when I go online to order my clothes, though, it only gives me the option for male or female. I haven't figured that one out yet. I don't know how there can be over 70 genders, but I can only choose male or female when I'm ordering my clothes or my shoes. I read an article where the new facial recognition, you know, there's a problem with this. And it might not be what you think. The problem with facial recognition is, guess what? Transgender people, it only recognizes them in their birth gender. The science of facial recognition has not caught up with the postmodern world yet. Now, why am I talking about these things? Because Jesus made a definite statement about himself. Not a relative statement. A definite statement. He is the way. And that statement about him being the way, and even that statement about his disciples being the salt and the light, are opposed to what the world is attempting to make us believe. Now, you might be sitting there going, well, they're never going to make me believe that. But what you need to understand, postmodernism, you know when it really, well, in its modern form, because postmodernism is not modern. But if you go and you read the literature, it'll tell you that postmodernism began to its rise in the in the 80s, in the mid-80s. And postmodernism is this idea that basically all of the things that the modern era brought to us, so we've got to go back in history. This is why it's important for you to understand, to know history. You go back to the Enlightenment, back to the modern age, when we came out of the Middle Ages, the Dark Ages, and we entered into the, what was called the Modern Age or the Age of Enlightenment. And, and we begin to formulate a lot of things that were based on absolute truths. And society began to kind of form around these things that are true. Like males and females, mothers and fathers, husbands and wives. And the world was changed drastically, and that drastic change really happened because of truths that exist. Where did those truths come from? They came from God. So scientists say, well, I don't believe in God because I can't scientifically prove that he exists, when the very science they use to prove everything else exists came from God to begin with. It's like I always say, it's like you driving around in your car saying, you know, my car is just this grand accident that happened. You would never say that, right? You know somebody made your car. You don't know who they are. You don't know what their name is. You don't know what they look like. But you're driving around this car, and you're driving around understanding that someone made it. Someone put it together. Someone with intelligence put that thing together. And and you have atheists driving around in cars created and put together by men, but yet they don't believe in God. And they're walking around in bodies that are infinitely more complex than the cars they're driving, and yet we believe this all just happened by accident. Well, the world functioned in that reality that there's a God, there's a creator. Even if they didn't believe in the one true and living God. Even, even what we would call pagans, they believed in gods. They all had their own gods, and their gods were relative to their circumstance, their situation. They were just doing what was right in their own eyes. But you know, there's very, very few people who actually don't believe in God. They may not believe in the God of the Bible, but most people believe in God. Even if they have made themselves their own God. And that's really what postmodernism does. It makes us our own God because it subjects everything to us. And so in this postmodern world, we begin to just throw out things like absolute truth. Well, how do I know that's true? How do I know Jesus is real? How do I know there's a God who created everything? I can't see him. Uh, How do I know this Bible is really inspired by God? How do I know that I'm not in the matrix? It it sounds funny, but when you see people who are actually talking to college students, and they're asking them about truth, objective truth, and these kids will come back because they're so smart, well, how do you know that's true? And then the guy will go, well, How do you know? How do you know you're true? How do you know that's real? How do you know you're real? Well, I don't know that I'm real. I could just be in the Matrix. And the problem is, people have watched too many movies and they've not read enough of their Bible. Where do the people that make movies get all that from? These are imaginations that men come up with because they've rejected the truth. I can't explain everything, so we, we, we don't know. So we don't know if it's even real. We don't know if this world is real. We may just all be a figment of an imagination, And none of this is real. There are people that actually believe that. Which may sound crazy to some of you. But here's what's important for us to understand. The people that are educating our children from this size on up, unless you happen to be educating your own children, or putting them in a place where you know they're not being educated in that way. The people educating our children, this is what they believe. The people on the college campuses that are running the farm, that are producing the leaders for tomorrow, this is what they believe. I graduated from the University of Texas. I love the University of Texas. I watch the Longhorns every weekend and I root for them. But I'm going to tell you right now that university, along with all the other ones, are filled with people who don't believe in absolute truth, who don't believe in the God of the Bible, who don't believe in a creator. Who believe that the old ways of thinking that there's men and women is antiquated? The old way of thinking that mothers and fathers and children raised in a traditional home and traditional values is dangerous. They actually believe that. And you know what they're doing? They're teaching our children that it's also dangerous. So now, in our world, when you hear politicians say things that sound unbelievable, you ever heard a politician say something and you say, I can't believe that God just said that. I can't believe he said that on national television. Who, who, would, who, would, who would support that? Guess what? We've raised generations of people. Who support those things? Who believe that it's horrible, and it is horrible, that 33 or 35 people have died from vaping, yet today over 3,000 babies will be murdered, statistically speaking. Maybe the abortion mills are closed on Sunday, I don't know. But statistically speaking, every day in America, 3,000 babies. Babies are murdered. And you know what the world's losing its mind over? Vaping. Or we won't even begin to talk about the animals that the world loses its mind over that are killed. Drop an eagle egg and kill an eagle, an unborn eagle, and you're going to go down. But kill an unborn human being? No problem. We'll protect that, right? We'll even pay for it. This is the post-modern world we live in. And it has snuck up on a lot of people. And because it's so in your face now, it's not even hidden anymore. I mean, we're not even trying to hide these things anymore. It's loud and it's proud. And we're going to enforce it or force it, however you want to look at it, until it becomes reality. And if you don't agree with that, whether you state it or not, we're going to oppose you. And you see that. I heard they shut down the Chick-fil-A in London. Because the owners of Chick-fil-A are Christians. And the owners of the restaurant stand for things that are opposed to free thought and free living. Or it's opposed to what we have come to hold dear in our postmodern world, which is every man doing what's right in his own eyes. Never mind that you can be whatever you want to be and work at Chick-fil-A. It's just knowing that the owners represent those things. And you have the same thing here in America. But it's one thing to talk about those people out there who believe those things. And that's often what we do in the church, right? We come in here and we talk about what those people out there believe. But the question is not really what those people out there believe, because you know why they believe that? Because they're darkness, because they're blind. You shouldn't hate them because of it. You shouldn't be mad at them because of it. They can't help it. The real question is, what do we believe? Because Jesus wasn't talking to the world when he said, you're the salt of the earth and you're the light of the world. He wasn't talking to those people out there who didn't believe. He was talking to those people assembled, sitting at his feet, listening to his voice. And he spoke to them as though they did believe because they were there. He assumed that they did. Why else would you be listening to this man if you didn't believe or want to believe or were interested at least in what he had to say? So he's talking to his followers. And the question isn't really what does the world believe. The question is what do we believe as confessing Christians? So before we can go on with this line of thought, we need to pause and examine our own self. So think about what Jesus said concerning his disciples. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. Do you know that we're not born light? We're born darkness. We're born again as light. So this goes against postmodernism as well, because postmodernism says, I can be whatever I want. I can be good. I can be bad. I can be light. I can be dark. I can be male, be female, be a combination of whatever I want. I determine what I am. But that's not what the Bible teaches us. The Bible says it's already been determined what we are. We are darkness. Our father Adam set that in motion when he fell in the garden. And everyone born of Adam bears the image of Adam. In fact, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul writes, All those born in Adam die, even so All who are in Christ shall live. Well, who's born in Adam? How many of you were born in Adam? Every human being born on the face of this earth was born into Adam, and they die. They're they're born in death. They're born in darkness. Well, how many are in Christ? Now, that's a different story. We can know how many human beings are in Adam, every one of them. But we can't know how many are in Christ. You can't tell by the color of your hair. You can't tell by the size shoe you wear. You can't tell by the complexion of your skin. You can't tell by your social status. We can't tell by looking on the outside whether someone is or someone isn't in Christ. Because whether you're in Christ or not is not about what's on the outside. Whether you're in Christ or not is about what's on the inside. People want to make it an outward issue, but it's really a heart issue. And what what ends up showing up on the outside, ultimately though, is going to be determined by what is happening on the inside. So we don't want to fall in the ditch on either side of the road here. To say that that how I live my life doesn't matter is a ditch on one side of the road. And to say that it doesn't matter how I live my life as long as I believe in Jesus is a ditch on the other side of the road. The postmodern world would, would give you the right to believe in Jesus and live any way you want. If that's what truth is to you. But the Bible is very anti postmodern because the Bible is all about absolutes and objective truth. And the Bible says it absolutely does matter how you live. And it absolutely does matter what you believe. Because what you believe ultimately must determine how you live your life. And this is what I mean when I say that we've got to begin by looking at ourselves. We must become light before we can be the light. You tracking with me? We must become light before we can be the light. Because we're not just born light. This happens, becoming light, when what Jesus called being born again, being born of the Spirit, when that happens, that's when, we're, that's when we become light. In our first birth, we're darkness. In our new birth, we are light in the Lord. We can't see the kingdom of God apart from the light. This is what Jesus said, John 3, 3. Jesus answered and said to Nicodemus, Most assuredly, or truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom. If we turned all the lights off in here and blocked all the doors and windows and you... There, well, there are no windows. Well, there's those little windows out there and then there's some... But you get what I'm saying. If we made it completely dark in here, what would you be able to see? Nothing. What do you need in order to be able to see? You must have light. Jesus said, and yet unless you're born again, you can't see the kingdom why? What's he, what he is saying is, until you're born again, there is no light in you. There is no ability for you to see anything. Because why? Because we are darkness. Unless one is born again, there is no light by which we can see. Paul makes this clear in Ephesians 5.8. In verse 8 of chapter 5, he says, For you once were darkness. You once were. He's talking to the believers. He's talking to the church. You once were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. And then he commands them with this, Walk as children of light. He writes in Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6, For it is God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, first creation, Natural creation, God said, let there be light, and there was light. That God who did that at the beginning of creation is the God who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. I can't see the face of Jesus without light. We can't go into it here, but if you read... 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and chapter 4, you see that Paul is talking, this is a whole discourse here, and at the end of chapter 3, he's talking about looking into a mirror and seeing the glory of God. Looking into a mirror and seeing the glory of God. What he's saying is, listen, if you are in Christ, then Christ is in you, and if Christ is in you, then His glory, His image should be seen in you. When you look in a mirror, guess what you have to have in order to see a reflection? You have to have light. Without light, there is no reflection to see. And where does that light come from? Paul says it comes from God. The same God who calls light to shine out of darkness in the creation has shown a light in your heart. And that light in your heart has given you the light to see the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. We have to become light before we can be light. Jesus is the light. And now through the new birth, we are light in the Lord. Which makes us the light of the world. Not a light in the world, but the light of the world. Not one of many sources of light which lights the world, but the light of the world. Do you see the difference? One is very subjective and relative, one is very definite. And absolute One is very postmodern. One is true. We are commanded to walk as children of light, because in Christ, that's what we are. We are light. You know what the world needs? The world needs light. The world is walking in darkness. And do you know what the church has done in large part? We've hidden our light. For whatever reason, we've hidden our light. We're afraid to let our light shine. I might offend my neighbor. I might offend my family. I might offend my boss. I might offend my employee. I'm not saying go out and just be offensive. I'm saying go and be light. And if the light offends, what can you do about that? Because this ultimately is not about us. This is about him. This is not our story. God is writing his story, and we're just parts of it. God's not writing billions of different stories, making billions of different people the main characters in each of their stories. That's what we want to believe. That's what post, that is what is the essence of postmodernism. It is all about me. It's all about my life, my story. I become the center of life. This is why postmodernism really is nothing more than pre paganism. All postmodernism leads to paganism. And what is paganism? Paganism is what we've commonly come to know as just to, as a real simple definition, would be the worship of a false god, of a false deity. It actually is an interesting word if you look up the root of it. It came about in about the fourth century. And it had more to do with people who lived out in the country versus people who lived in the city. People who lived in the city had more access to the gospel. And they had a more common belief. People out in the country, they're just out there worshiping trees and rocks and bushes and the sun and the moon. They were ignorant. And they came to be known as pagans. Now it's just kind of a catch all term. And who is the God of postmodernism? We become our own gods. Because the universe revolves around us. Because everything becomes relative to me. Now we want to take it to big places that are obviously wrong. Like, I just don't feel like a man, I feel more like a woman. So I'm going to start wearing women's clothes, and then I'm going to get hormone replacement therapy, and then ultimately I'm going to get surgery so I can become what I truly feel like I am. But do you know where that starts? It doesn't start there. It starts with those little feelings that we just don't pay any attention to. I don't feel like praying. I don't feel like reading my Bible. I don't feel like going to church. I don't feel like it makes any difference. I feel like, you know, my life is the same. These are all things people have actually said to me over the years. I really feel like my life is the same whether I go to church or whether I don't go to church. I believe in God. So it's n- that's not the issue. I love Jesus. That's not the issue. And we begin to live lives driven by our feelings. Have you ever noticed that? Have you ever noticed how driven the world is by its feelings? Now, we come by this honestly. This is our sin nature. This is the point of crucifying the flesh. You know, this is why we can live in ditches. We we can live in the one ditch that's, you know, hard legalism like the Pharisees. Or we can live in this other ditch over here where anything goes. It just, it's really depends on how I feel. If I feel like I need this, I'm going to live in this ditch. If I feel like I need this because I can't justify anything else, I'm going to live in this ditch. But what we really need to be doing is going to the truth and letting the truth define where we should be living and where we should be walking and what we should be believing. Because the truth should define... The truth doesn't define our feelings. The truth harnesses our feelings the truth is not there to make us feel a certain way the truth is there to guard against those feelings that we want to give into because i want to live in this relative universe where everything is relative to me the truth does not let me do that the truth says you can't live there And claim to be a follower of Jesus. You can live there if you want to be in the world. If you claim to be darkness, if you are darkness, that's where you live. And you can live there. But if you claim that you are light in the Lord, you cannot live in that universe. You can't do it. Because it's contrary to who God is. It's contrary to the truth. And I don't use the truth to soothe how I feel. I use the truth to crucify How I feel. Ooh, we don't like that word. Crucified, so harsh. Pastor Jeff, can't you use a less harsh word? You know, it was pretty harsh when they crucified Jesus. It was pretty harsh when they beat him to a bloody pulp and he didn't even look like a human form hanging on the cross. We can't make movies about that because we can't can't show that. We don't know how to show that. We can't really accurately portray what happened to Jesus on the cross. But we don't like that. I mean, we have universities now who have safe spaces. I, there are places I can't walk onto a campus and say, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the I'm sorry, sir, you're going to have to leave this area. You can't say that here because this is a safe area. I mean, it, it, it sounds ridiculous, doesn't it? It sounds comical. But do you know what? It's true. That is the reality we live in today. And you know what? If the church doesn't start becoming the salt of the earth and the light of the world, it's not going to get better. And do you know what? In China, we see images of the Chinese government tearing down churches because they're unlawful churches, because they preach the gospel. I, I saw the picture of it from the drone footage or whatever it was of the big church. They, they, just, they just tore it down. We say, well, that's China, never going to happen here. Really? You keep living in that dreamland while the postmodern world continues to rise and the government school system continues to indoctrinate our children and children grow up and they take what you tell them and then they take what their professor tells them. And guess what? Here's the sad reality for a lot of people. Kids are spending a whole lot more time under the indoctrination of government schools and their teachers and their professors than they are with their parents who are supposed to be discipling them. Parents, you better disciple your kids because if you don't do it, somebody will. They will. Your kids are being discipled. Our children, the children of our generation are being discipled. This morning, they're being discipled somewhere. It might be on a sports field. It might be uh, in front of a TV. It might. Who knows where it is, but they're being discipled. And mom and dad, you better be working overtime discipling them in the Lord. This is what the scripture commands us to do, to raise up our children in the fear and nurture of the Lord. And I, it's sad. I meet people all the time. And I, I, I talked to a mom a few weeks ago because it's just what I do. I talk to all kinds of people in my work with the police department. And it's very common for me. To hear parents say this. I just don't know what happened to my child. I don't, know how they, I don't know how they got into this. I don't know how they... And I'm not saying your discipleship of your children is foolproof. It's not. But I'm going to tell you this. God has made promises to us as, as parents. And if we follow the scripture and we do what the scripture commands us to do you should be extremely shocked and surprised if your children don't turn out the way the Scripture says they should. Versus trying to figure out what happened to your child. Because we just automatically assume they're going to grow up with the right values. And they're not if we don't put those in them. We don't live in the same America that was founded 240-some-odd years ago. We don't live in that America anymore. We live in America that is absolutely hostile to the gospel in many ways. And while we still have our freedom, we better be being the salt and being the light. Because those little kids that are little kids right now, one day they're going to be adults and they're going to be voting and they're going to be leading and they're going to be proposing all sorts of things that we're hearing people propose today. Churches don't agree with the if they don't agree with the mantra of the world, of this postmodern world, then take their right, take their tax exempt status away. Do you know how many churches would crumble and and just cave if they thought they were gonna get their tax exempt status taken away? Too many. What about you, Christ Fellowship? What if the government came in and says, listen, if your pastor keeps preaching from that Bible and saying things are sin that are not sin, it's just a lifestyle choice. People can be whatever they want. They can do whatever they want. And you don't have the right to tell them it's sin. And if you persist in that, because we're going to monitor all the recordings and all the podcasts, that's what the mayor of Houston wanted to do. And if we find you preaching this stuff, then we're going to take your tax-exempt status. What if you couldn't get tax deduction on your charitable giving? What would you rather have? Don't think that can't happen here in America. Don't think that you might not or your children might not be placed in a position to have to decide that one day. You know what, we we're all, we all going to say, well, well, let them have their money. Let the government have it. It's easy to say, now. Or what about when they come and say, if you keep telling your child that that is wrong, we're going to have to bring in the authorities to find out if you are being abusive to your child by teaching them these radical thoughts. How do we get there? We get there because we choose not to be salt and we choose not to be light. Because we choose to let our flavor be diminished. Ooh, that's too salty. Let's water it down a little bit. And we choose to hide our light because we don't want our light to be offensive but before your light can ever become offensive you have got to check yourself and find out whether you're light or not we may have a lot of people running around out there saying that they are light in re- reality maybe they're not i don't know that's something each and every one of us need to do i believe in the security of the believer but you got to get there first you hear do you, you, you hear what i'm saying Just because, I love what Keith Green said, just because you go to McDonald's doesn't make you a a hamburger. Just because you might live in the garage doesn't make you a car. Just because you go to church doesn't mean you're born again. Being born again is not what you can do for yourself. Being born again is what only God can do. You didn't birth yourself, and you're not going to birth yourself again. Only God can do that. But when that new birth happens and you go from being darkness to light and you've been translated out of darkness into light, there is a difference. And you should know that difference. You should know in here the Spirit of God on the inside of you should bear witness that you are His child. If you don't have that witness, then cry out to Jesus and ask Him to give it to you. If you don't know that you're saved, then cry out to Jesus and ask him to save you. Because his promise is those who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And the implied truth there is this. When you call upon the name of the Lord, from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. From the faith that's in your heart, that faith that comes out of your mouth, Lord Jesus, save me. Let's turn real quick back to Matthew chapter five. I'm sorry. Lost my place here. In Matthew chapter 5, Jesus, so he says, you are the salt of the earth, you are the light of the world. Verse 16, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. He says, Don't think that I came to destroy the law or the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For assuredly I say to you, heaven and earth may pass away, but not one jot, not one tittle will by any means pass from the law till it is all fulfilled. Whoever therefore breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches men so shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does and teaches them shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I say to you that unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Now this is the ditch I'm talking about on either side of the road here. Jesus makes a very clear statement of what we are to be, the salt of the earth, the light of the world. And he's talking to his disciples and he says, unless your righteousness seeks that of the Pharisees, you're not going to get in. Now he's talking to a bunch of people who understood better than we do today who the Pharisees were. The Pharisees were the lawyers. These were the guys that made the laws, that interpreted the laws. Who would come to you and with a log in their eye, tell you to get the speck out of yours and not think anything about removing the log from their own. What a Pharisee falsely believed was that he could be righteous by his keeping of the law thereby earning his position with God. Jesus isn't saying here, don't obey the law. Jesus isn't saying here, don't don't live a holy life. Pharisees lived very holy lives outwardly. The problem was their heart. It wasn't just their hypocrisy. It was this false belief that they somehow were good enough by their obedience. What righteousness should teach us is that we will never be good enough no matter how our obedience may look. I will never be obedient enough that I will, do not need Jesus. On my best day with my best works, I need Jesus and I need to feel the need for Jesus. You need to feel the need for Jesus. Not just when you sin, but on your good days with all your good works and you're so proud of yourself for what you did, you better feel your need for Jesus because your good works won't gain you anything apart from the righteousness that comes only through Jesus Christ. Don't shun the good works. Embrace them Don't think the law is invalid anymore. Keep it. Obey it. Obey the commands of Jesus. But don't you ever believe that your obedience to Jesus somehow means you don't need His grace because you need it every day. You need His blood every day. You need His grace every day. You need His cleansing every day. Don't use it as an excuse to sin. Use it as a reason to rejoice and be thankful. That God has now given you the grace and the ability to walk in obedience to him. You couldn't do that when you were darkness. Now that you are light in the world, not light in the Lord, you can do that. You can walk in his obedience. So walk in it. Walk in the light. Walk as children of light and be light in this dark world. It's important. Ask God, he'll help you. Amen. Let's get ready to come to the table. His grace is sufficient for anything and everything we need. As you trust in Jesus, come to this table, not because you're perfect, but because he's perfect. Come and celebrate his life by remembering his death. Christian, you are welcome to this table. We'll all take communion together. You don't have to be a member of this church, but a member of the body of Christ. Let's stand. Well, the Lord Jesus has given us our charge. We are to be the salt of the earth and the light of the world. I want to remind you that we're in a spiritual battle. This battle didn't just begin. It began before creation. God is well aware of it. The question is, are we well aware of it? And we should be. Sometimes it's very obvious. It's very overt. Sometimes it's not as obvious and it's very covert. But the battle is never not raging. It is ongoing. The warfare we are involved in is ongoing. And I pray that you would trust in the power of God. Trust in his grace. Trust in his promise. And be what he's called you to be in this battle, in this warfare. Go into this world and be salt. Go into this world and be light. Be it here in the church, be it in your homes, be it at your places of work, be it everywhere you are. And when you fail and you fall down, ask God to forgive you and get back up. It's like we tell the kids, when you fall down and get hurt, smile and get back up and keep playing. When you fall, smile and get back up and keep being salt and keep being light. His grace is sufficient.